Hello listeners and welcome to the Monto Weekly Podcast, bringing energy matters in an informal setting. Listeners, if you're wondering how long the EU gas supply glut will last, or how low gas prices could go this year, or how much COVID-19 has impacted gas demand, then you've come to the right place. Joining me, Richard Sverison Day, is Wayne Bryan of Refinitiv. A warm welcome to you, Wayne, and welcome back to the pod. Good morning, Richard, and yeah, thanks for having me back. No worries. How, how are you? How are you bearing up in these uh, these very challenging COVID-19 times? Not too bad. I mean, everyone's in the same situation, so really it's a case of uh, getting on with it. Mm. Got my work set up here in my conservatory, so, you know, can't really complain. I can see the skies. But yeah, it's, it's a challenge for everyone, but I think this is now my 10th day, I think, 11th day, working from home. So yeah, getting used to it. But hopefully not for too, too long, even though we know it's probably a couple of months. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm OK. Good to hear, Wayne. I thought we could start today, uh, Wayne, by talking about supply and then we move on to demand issues. What's happening here? I mean, I could see that, you know, Norway and Russia are still pumping, fully pumping the gas into Europe. Mm-hmm. Is that the case? Yeah, at the moment, we haven't seen a, a massive change in flows. But obviously, today we enter the first day of the summer. So typically, you normally see change in the profiles, which might give an indication of future flows. But I think in the current environment, I think things have changed. We're really not sure in terms of the demand destruction, how bad it's going to get. Looking at markets this morning, clearly they see it going further down as well. We're already seeing ETF six and a half euros a megawatt hour front month. So I think at some point, and I think that's the whole point. Everyone's looking to see who, who is actually going to blink or who's going to turn down first. I mean, it, it seems to be on LNG, Russia or Norway, uh, who's going to blink out the three. We don't see a massive turn down in LNG, uh, well, US LNG anyway. Um, in terms of Russia and Norway, I mean, it's, again, it, it's hard to call. You'd probably, if you were to, you know, Take a punt on it, you'd probably go for Russia, toughen it out in a lower price environment for a bit longer. Um, and again, that might not just be, um, that might be for other reasons, political reasons, also market share purposes. So there, there is quite a lot of uncertainty. I mean, the only way we're going to find out is looking at the flows over the next few weeks and seeing where we go and obviously seeing how low the price goes and how deep the reaction is. So there's so much uncertainty. I mean, I've been trying to give price forecasts, et cetera, in the current environment. It's, yeah, it's wouldn't say impossible, but it's fraught with many, many challenges and, and things are changing on a daily or sometimes, in some cases, hourly basis in terms of what's happening across the globe. We've got 3 billion people under lockdown and social government, 3 billion people. And also, I think one figure that resonates is 92% of global GDP has been affected by social distancing. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's already been going for a few weeks, and we're talking America now in lockdown until the end of April. The UK, there's talks of autumn. I mean, all non-essential production has ground to a halt, not just in Europe, but in, across the world, apart from, non- apart from essential businesses, obviously. So the airlines are grounded. I mean, I'm trying to find some green shoots of good news here, but there, there isn't really... Much of that at the moment, we're all talking about entering this peak and Trump's talking about two weeks of hell. And yeah, I'm looking at Moscow's now in lockdown, Mexico, they're finding new cases, Africa. I mean, uh, this thing, the speed and aggressiveness of, of this has caught everyone 
um, including me. I didn't think things could ever be this bad, but here we are. Four or five weeks ago, the situation we're in now was, would be completely unimaginable. Yeah, and what's also interesting, I was, and I was mentioning this to someone yesterday, if we take it back a few weeks before this even started, we were already going into the summer wondering about oversupply, wondering about you know how too much LNG, storage is still full again. You know, demand hasn't been great. The winter wasn't cold in Atlantic or Pacific Basin. So we were already having concerns about an oversupplied market even before <laughs> COVID-19. And, and now that demand destruction is on, a, on an unimaginable scale. So, so yeah, we already were bearish. And now, and now we've gone through that um, from the previous numbers we thought we'd see this early in the, in the season. So gone from bearish to uber bearish, maybe. But, um... <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, but at the end of the day, we all know that the market isn't just going to start giving gas away for free. No, uh, unlike the oil market, no. I think where some barrels are changing hands for less than ten bucks at the moment. Yeah. Um, certain blends and further along the curve, we're seeing you know, eight, seven, eight dollar oil or negative pricing in some instances. We're not going to see that in the gas market. <laughs> but I mean, are we, are we close to the sort of marginal cost of production for for some producers? I mean, Norway's come out. Equinor said around two two dollars per mmbtu, and that's about translates to about six, doesn't it? So I think. Yeah. What happens now? I mean, they can't, are they, like, as you say, will they start, you know, going into, you know, almost producing at a loss and flowing it at a loss? Yeah. You think they will? That's the case. Well, that, I don't know. I mean, we don't know. Mm. And again, like, like we said, today we've seen already that TTF front month is trading at a, trading at a low of 6.6. So we're already, we're not far away. <laughs> so I think watching um, the flows over the coming days um, will give us an indication, or not even coming days, but just watching the flows over the next month will give us an indication. But, I mean, see, I see Langlet down a bit, stayed to 48, but it's still quite high considering we have got a bit of cold weather, obviously, a bit of frost, etc. today. But I think short term, we might not see a, a, a real big turn down the next couple of days, but I think they're going to start to evaluate uh, what's going to happen moving forward because um, this isn't going anywhere and we can see that with these lockdowns and, and what it's doing to businesses. Absolutely. In general, a lot of businesses won't even recover from this. Even when we do get out of this, there's going to be a concern that some businesses won't be there. Despite the, the stimulus, we're seeing record levels of stimulus from from central banks around the world who seem determined to stop their economies grinding to a halt. But the, the longer this goes on, the more money they're going to have to pump. And there isn't a, there isn't a magic money forest even, uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. no. No, definitely not. And I think that's the big concern about when it does pick back up again. Where's the, where's the demand coming from? I think consumer spending is going to have a massive drop. I think today we've got the PMI numbers, which are going to give us a real a real indication of what's been going on in uh, Italy, for example. Uh, I think they come out at 9 o'clock today, so they'll be keenly watched. So I think uh, just for those listeners uh, unaware, when we're recording, we're recording on Wednesday, the 1st of April, and, and uh, so Wayne's already referring to a massive drop in, in, in gas prices, as we're seeing in Dutch TTF market. It's the 1st of April, at the start of Q2. This is normally the season where, for example, Norway will have lots of maintenance um, work on its offshore production. Yeah. But it, it's postponed that into the autumn or into Q3, Q4 potentially. What impact will that have on flows? It will just continue, the flows will just continue, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, again, it's not something that was really needed, to be honest. I think you'd be looking to extend maintenances in, uh, in this yeah. period. And now we're going to see a lot less maintenance. And some maintenance have been shifted to Q1 next year. The worse this gets as well, you've got to imagine that the operational staff availability is going to suffer. And not only 
in gas markets. But if you look at the coal market uh, as well, people get into the mines, etc. LNG, we had force majeures declared uh, in India due to operational staff at the ports not being available thanks to social distancing and, and obviously the country being under lockdown. So that, again, is an issue that's going to affect maintenance. So like you said, I mean, you could call it bullish risk, but they are going to be shifted. But at the end of the day, I mean, there's, there's no real demand to soak this up anyway. So even if the maintenances were happening, it wouldn't have made a big effect. And the fact now um, some of them have been cancelled and postponed or shifted along only exacerbates uh, the supply mm. issue, to mm. be honest. Absolutely. So, I mean, if we then move on to the demand side, as you've, you've, you've already talked about quite a lot, uh, Wayne, but if we focus on Europe, I mean, are you... Like, for example, in the power markets, we're seeing up to 20% drop in industrial power demand, Correct. certainly in, in, in Italy and Spain. What, what's happening on the gas side? Is, are we seeing a, a, an equivalent kind of reduction? It's not as high, obviously. It's not as high, but it depends on what market you're looking at. But we're seeing up to 10% demand destruction in gas markets. But again, once we get this new data, data is the key here. And once we get um, some further data uh, from Italy, we've got quite a bit of data now from Italy, which gives us some good data to actually play with and, and project that onto the rest of Europe. So yeah, we're, we're probably 5 to 10% depending, uh, depending on country and obviously the energy fuel mix of each country. But yeah, I mean, it, demand is, is completely tailing off, especially when you look at industrial production, car manufacture, this sort of thing. It, it, it's all been halted. So yeah, I think that'll get deeper though. So obviously Spain and, it, and, Spain and Italy are the worst hit. Have we seen similar decreases in Northwest Europe? Yeah, the UK UK uh, demand is, is down a few percent, similar in France as well. So no country is immune to this at all. It's just the level of actual demand destruction is what's key here. So but we're, we're, this is going to, like I mentioned, this is going to continue. There's nothing open at the moment. I mean, in, in the UK, there's, there's nothing open. It's a, it's a similar story across Northwest Europe. So I think that demand situation is only going to get it can't get much worse because there's not much uh, open, not much left open, to be but, honest. So I think what we're seeing now... And yeah. Are there any particular sectors that are worst hit? You, you've mentioned that the, the car manufacturers, they're, they're shutting down. But what about, you know, the... Ca- transport. Okay, yeah. Transport. Uh, if you look at the tube, I think I saw yesterday that tube journeys in the last two weeks are down 95% which is a staggering, yeah, that's <laughs> staggering figure. Obviously, the airlines are grounded. I think EasyJet grounded all their flights yesterday. You know, British Airways are not flying from Gatwick anymore. So the carbon intensity from that is, is, is really, really, we've seen a big drop in carbon intensity, not just in, the, in Europe, of course, but globally. Also, I mean, the travel and tourism sector has been absolutely hammered with the restriction on people movement. The closing of all big shopping malls, restaurants, all these little small pockets of demand that when you add them up, create a bulk of our demand. They're all closed, you know, uh, all completely closed. So I think there's no sector that's really immune. But I suppose if you look at the biggest sector affected, it's obviously going to be manufacturing, big and manufacturing and obviously um, transport. Yeah, absolutely. Those are the, the key sectors. In addition, if that, if that wasn't enough, you know, the oversupply, demand destruction, you know, force majeure, we've got, you know, the end of, of European heating season and warmer weather coming as well. So uh, so that will also cut demand, will it not? Yeah, we're, well, we're in shoulder season uh, now as well. So, yeah, I mean, again, that... Could you explain shoulder season for those listeners who are unaware of that, Wayne? Shoulder season is what, is what we, we talk about when a drop-off in demand in Asia. Is not, the cooling demand hasn't really picked up. And same similar story in Europe now. We're moving from 
cooling, heating season to the cooling season. So this shoulder month, you generally see a slowdown in demand as we change profiles. And if you look at the coal market as well, in coal, this is the weakest part of the year seasonally. And now you add in the, the, the COVID-19 destruction and it further exacerbates the downside potential in that market as well. So similar, yeah, same sort of story for the shoulder season as well. So it's all just coming at the worst time. And if you look at storages, storages are, are, are significantly higher than last year's levels, which we all thought were too high anyway going into last summer. So similar, a lot of the uh, factors from last summer are still here. And then you throw on top of it the bearish cherry on top of, as we've said, is COVID-19 demand destruction. Absolutely, Wayne. So then, I mean, you mentioned prices. This is at the start of April. I mean, we're at six and a half uh, euros per megawatt hour on the TTF. How much further do you think these prices can fall? Well, a lot of people said the six euro mark is is a pain point. And um, again, we're getting, we're getting uh, very close to that. We might even touch below. We, might, we could even see a, a sub six trade today. That's still a bit of work for it to do yet. I think once we get, if these PMIs come out quite bad in, a, in a 30 minutes or so, we're going to see these contracts on the nearer curve come under more pressure. So I think I'm, I'm not here. I, I can't come in and say it could be five euros. I think that the general consensus is the six euros mark. We're still not actually physically there yet. So the moment we get there, we'll see over the coming days the reaction. We'll see if we go further and then see what the effect is on flows. But something has to give. And a lot of people are talking about LNG or US LNG slowing down, but that's not really the case. 90% of contracted, 90% of volumes are contracted. So really, we're looking at at the 10% of uncontracted liquefaction demand. So that's not that much. They can be prone to shuttings. And also as well, if you look at the, look at the difference between the spot, spot and then looking at hedging measures, you've still got a couple of months to play with. Again, these long-term contracts, they underpin 90% of, of U.S. exports. So a lot of this talk about U.S. slowdown or turndown. For that 10%, yeah, for the rest of it, unless there's some sort of contracts we're not aware of where these guys don't take these volumes, and I'm sure they, they have to. You might see some force majeures being declared, but... As it stands, I, think, I don't think there'll be a slowdown uh, in US LNG in the short term. Maybe a couple, maybe after, maybe it gets to April and May, June, July, onwards, we might see it happen then. But as I said, with 90% on long-term take-or-pay contracts, that really uh, negates the short-term falling of US LNG imports. It might be the fact that force majeure, maybe from Italy, Spain, or some other countries might then have an impact but in the short term, it won't be uh, LNG uh, turning down. And um, we're still seeing cargoes arriving from Asia, even though the Asian market is still in its so-called recovery mode. They're still concerned how long that will last. Uh, and their output, factory output's improving, et cetera. But uh, it's not enough to take on all the excess supply um, that we're now seeing globally. So do you expect these cargoes to continue to come from Asia? Well, the Asian price now has, has fallen. We see a slowdown in actual export growth, but we still see, sorry, import growth into into Europe, but we still see an additional four BCM. We forecast seven BCM initially for this summer, additional imports into Northwest Europe. But in light of recent developments, and actually the ability to soak up that excess supply uh, means that we, we dialed that forecast down to, to four BCM for the coming summer. So we still see the LNG coming. I think we might see it slow down. 
looking at the looking at it now, we see a few deliveries still in, in, in Q2 and perhaps a Q3 slowdown. However, if we see some form of recovery of demand, then perhaps it, we could see more arrivals in Q3. But as it stands now, we look at it in that way. I was just thinking about this now in terms of we're talking about turndown. If we think about offtakers of Russian volumes, we still have some oil indexation still present in several contracts. And with oil where it is now in the sort of typical three to six month lag, that might be a sort of way we might see uh, less volumes uh, being pushed if offtakers nominate uh, less Russian gas. However, Gazprom can still push additional gas on the ESP, ESP which we've seen quite a lot um, this year. What are your expectations of demand growth in Asia now? I mean, you, you said, is there, are there sort of some shoots of recovery there? So we're seeing some pickup in, in Asian LNG demand? Yeah, we are seeing some pickups, but again, we, we see it slowing now. Again, I, think, I, I forget the exact number, but Chinese demand was scheduled to rise by, by a certain percentage, and that now uh, has been dialed down due to what's happening. Same with India. We were looking at India to, to raise LNG imports this summer, especially with the prices where they were. But they've now gone, I think you've got 2 billion people in lockdown and they're declaring force majeures at their ports. So <laughs> it's just a difficult environment. It, it really is. As you say, it was the uh, the bearish cherry, was it you called it? Um, yeah. What would it take for prices to, to pick up again, Wayne? Well, I, I said this the other week, and I think one of the questions was, was around... You know what will happen and what what can and I did say I mean it has to at some point we have to see a bounce back and I think that I'd actually put that as a you know it's an upside risk because um, it might take a bit of time um, but once we do see some some green shoots recovery or we see some economies restarting then the prices will go up but the problem is where they're going up from <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly and when, <laughs> where they when get, they'll where, go up mm. yeah and when they're going to go and that's what i was speaking to someone last night just in the general terms talking about this whole global issue and i was saying that like we're seeing these uh central banks throwing money at the market it's like a sticking plaster and the longer this goes on the deeper this recession is going to take a grip and the longer it's going to take to get out of it so if we were in this for another month or so, then I think the recovery will be quicker. We're hearing talk about social distancing measures for 12 months. Mm, yeah, we're hearing talk of gatherings still being cancelled and conferences and all these things. Now, if these are cancelled longer than the initial window of three months that people seem to be talking about, it's going it's to create further problems down the road in terms of demand. So while there would be a reaction, the reaction won't be big enough and even if we do see it would need a dramatic supply cut perhaps as well you know supply to just fall off a cliff uh in order in order to push the prices up but yeah i i, I see a recovery of course because things can only get better i mean that they've, they've not got worse to the point where it's at the bottom yet i don't think but once it does get to that point and we see some sort of reaction then we have to see a recovery but i think it's a it's a long road back at the moment if you if you see the news coming out today and last night and the numbers that they're talking about pretty horrific, really, and it paints a, a really, a really bad picture um, for the remain, very, very remainder scary. of it's very scary. Yeah, it, it really is. So for the remainder of this lockdown, you've got large swathes of Europe completely shut down, and, and until we start restarting that, and we can't see any uh, real recovery in prices. And I'm seeing now carbon's actually down four percent already now. So. 
the news from last night is, is spook markets and equities are also down at the open as well. So it's you can see it's, get, it's getting worse. We had a little bounce, but again, once you see the realisation of how, how problematic this is going to be, prices are, are going to keep falling. They really are. The news that uh, the, the, the cases are really uh, of coronavirus have really spread yeah. in the US. 200,000 minimum deaths, they were talking. It could have been even 2 million. Yeah, it's staggering. That's the word, yeah. It's mind-blowing. But on another note, <laughs> Wayne, what do you think, what's going to happen with the Premier League? Are Liverpool, <laughs> Liverpool going to be crowned champions? <laughs> I think about football, I think about football constantly. Uh, <laughs> football is the, the least of my concerns, even, that, even as a Liverpool fan. However, I'm fully confident that the season has to go ahead, and that's purely on a financial basis. If they don't complete the season, I think it's £800 million that Premier League clubs have to pay back. And as you know, they don't have that money. So this season has to be completed. Who knows when? Who knows when? But i tell you what, if that comes back, I'll be the happiest person. It will also mean that society itself is getting back to normal the moment yeah. we see a full football stadium. Oh. But I do think that is a long way away. Well, fingers crossed. But thanks <laughs> no, no worries, Wayne. <laughs> fingers crossed we'll get back to normality fairly, fairly soon anyway. Yeah, but Wayne, indeed. thank you very much for being a, a guest on the Montel Weekly Podcast. Uh, always welcome. a pleasure to have you on board. Speak to you soon and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne. Remember, listeners, to keep up to date with all our stories on Montel News and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you and goodbye.